Sailing God's Favor with your host, Dennis Beard. Sometimes there are messages that God gives that are very strong and to the point of his judgment. What he requires, and that is divine nature, holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. We're to follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, holiness is the divine nature of God, and we're given this through these exceedingly great and precious promises, whereby through the obedience to these promises, there's a reward, and we escape the corruption of the world through lust, that we might be made partakers of his divine nature, holiness. And holiness is required in doing the will of God. Taking on the divine nature of God is only through obedience unto righteousness. It's not an automatic thing. Simply because we join a church, take a preacher's hand. Now this will be kind of a cutting message to those that think, well, God is love and he won't destroy anybody in hell, which is the furthest thing from the truth there is. God means what he says and says what he means. As one preacher said, we need to get all we can and can all we get because it's going to take it to stand there in the last days, the evil days that are coming upon the earth. Uh, wicked and evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse. And we're seeing that. And the governments of men will always seek wars, rumors of wars, just to thrust it upon their own lust. The love of money, the root of all evil, the gain of property, the gain of nations, and the Antichrist will be the epitome of that. He will rule and deceive the whole world. Well, God will uncover the cedar work. Now, many years ago, and this was way back in 1989, as I was a starving preacher on the field, and I had three uh, families with us uh, on the road, full-time ministry, and I had a travel trader, my wife and I, and then we had two more travel traders signing, uh, going along with us and just living off the offerings and by faith, and God supplied the needs. But during that time, at a time that we were low and uh, coming through and we had uh, hocked uh, our tools, I had a tool chest, there of craftsman tools and a toolbox that I've had to trade uh, all these tools that we use for the ministry or a tank of gas <laughs> to get it down the road on uh, three vehicles pulling travel trailer. At this point, it was a very low time. And I thought, well, I can't keep going on uh, there and thought I must uh, seek some other uh, some other vocation other than the ministry. And it was a time of testing and trial. Of course, I realized that. But during that time, uh, came into a trailer park, didn't even have the money uh, to pay the landlord there to allow us to hook up three travel trailers in that, uh, that site, that camp. But the lady that owned it, said, go ahead and pay me when you, when you get it. And we did. During that time, a very low time in the valley, we received a visitation from the Lord, the first one I ever had that was uh, very profound and shook me to the very core. That was in October of 89, 1989. And about uh, 3.30 in the morning, actually 3.33, uh, 33 minutes after 3 in the morning, the Lord appeared. And I had never seen a vision like this before and thought, well, I have no other uh, course to go except to leave the ministry for a while. Maybe turn back later on, but not now. Uh, the, for the present distress, we're not able to keep going totally out of money. At that time, the Lord appeared. And uh, at that uh, in that little small 28-foot travel trailer. I woke there to see the Lord and this vision that he gave me. Seeing him 
and the visage of him. And some says that uh, they saw the Lord with eyes of ocean blue. I saw him as eyes of fire. Uh, there the Lord put me in a dream. And in this dream, uh, I was a basic Pentecostal preacher. I believe we were going through the great tribulation and preached that uh, we had to come into perfection. That's about all I had at that point, but being obedient to God, to what he had shown me to that point. And during this time, then when he visits, I see him and just four feet uh, from me in that little travel trailer. And he puts me in a dream. Now I'm seeing him and he puts me in a dream. And in this dream, there is a man. And the man is a six foot six decorated soldier uh, of the highest rank. And he has a bride with him uh, that is all decked in white with a white veil and with a train, a beautiful, beautiful bride. And he has this bride by the arm and she is being led by this man. During this time, there's great war. And I see the cities being bombed, uh, various uh, uh, chaos and stores broken into, people being killed, and a definite wartime chaos. And the soldier didn't say a word, but took the woman, and they had to pass over the city. They had to pass over. I did not understand what that meant, but seeing the man taking this woman and he was making great strides, and she was having to run to keep up with him. Now, some believes in dreams and visions, and others don't. But we do know that God uses dreams and visions. This is one of the first ones that I had in October of 89, where I saw the Lord. And uh, during that time in this dream, this soldier, it was so profound, it was gut-wrenching. Uh, I knew that this was a profound vision of God in this dream and this soldier taking this woman passing over the city, being bombed, a time of great war, people being destroyed. And as he's going through the city, bombs falling everywhere, people shooting, killing one another. And as he's going along, then there is a body of water. And in this water, there is a gondola, a little small vessel there on the water with a Chinese man or an Oriental man uh, that is old. And during that time, uh, he stops along with a woman and they look at this little small body of water, uh, like a small lake. And this man, this Oriental man in a gondola and a bomb falls right beside this vessel. And when it does, it literally blows that, that Oriental man out, this older Oriental man out of the, out of the gondola into the water. And he's underwater by the space of half an hour, 30 minutes. And I'm thinking, why does this soldier, this decorated high ranking, the highest officer, along holding the, the, uh, the bride, leading this uh, woman uh, in her veil and, and wedding dress, just sitting there looking at the water. There's no one that could live that long and under the water. But he does not move. He keeps looking at the water. And I'm thinking, why doesn't he move on? There's bombs going all over the place, and yet he's not moving. And he's holding the bride there, and they're looking at the water. In a few... There, after 30 minutes, uh, it seemed like forever, uh, that this man pops up out of the water. And the, he looks at the, the soldier, the decorated uh, general, uh, there with alongside the woman, and he says, you are under the water. The general says, you're under the water a long time. The oriental man says, yes, by the space of half an hour. At that time, the general 
very highly decorated officer, takes the woman by the hand, and here he goes again, going through to pass over the city to the other side, passing over to the other side. When he gets to the other side, bombs, war, people dying, and gets to the other side and goes into a house. The door's open. It's not locked. He goes right through the door, brings the uh, the bride in, the, the woman, clothed with her wedding gown and her veil. And as he walks in, there's six men at this, it looks like a picnic table to the left of the room. There are two men on each side of that uh, table. And they're playing cards. Their clothing is uh, kind of uh, ragged and chaos. And their ties are uh, to the side. And, and they're inebriated, drunken. And as he looks there at these four men, set at the table, two on one side, two on the other, of a picnic table, they're playing cards and making games. I look to the right uh, there of the uh, the general and uh, the bride, and there are two men sitting at the kitchen or standing at the kitchen preparing food. And one is by the sink. The other one is making food, preparation for the food uh, for these six men to eat, four at a table, two on the other side. And during this time, uh, the general looks at the man seated at the table that says, come on, come on in, sit down, eat, drink, and be merry, for all is well. The general looks at him and says, we must go up. And he does it like a spiral case, spiral staircase. And the man laughs at him. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Sit down, eat and drink and be merry, for no one will bother us here. And the general looks at him again the second time and says, we must go up second time. This time he is really laughing. The man sitting there playing cards and waiting for the food to come over from his two friends over at the, uh, the kitchen preparing food is laughing hysterically, thinking it's a big joke, and says, come on, sit down, eat, drink, and be merry. No one will bother us here. The general says one more time, the third time, we must go up. At that point, he takes the uh, bride by her hand and starts going up a spiral staircase. Goes from the first floor into a spiral staircase going up, a winding staircase into the second floor, but doesn't stop there. And this is a triangular Going up from the first floor, then it gets more narrow. And then it goes, he goes along with a woman, leading her to the third floor. The first, second, and third floor. In the third floor, it goes to a, an, an, an epoch and a triangular seven cubits wide, seven cubits high, and seven cubits broad. And that... Uh, being that base lying seven cubits, but you know, seven cubits long, but the seven cubits, the base of it is seven cubits wide, seven cubits long with seven cubits high, but it's a triangle. And he shuts the door when he brings the bride in. At this time, there is a cedar chest in there, a huge cedar chest. And he begins to take his right hand, takes the cedar chest, and starts taking his, with his bare hand, going into the cedar, the cedar wood, and pulling off like an engraving with his hand, no tool, no hammer, no chisel, and just with his hand starts pulling off the wood and throwing it to the side. As he's doing this, then there appears a J. The bride is looking at him. Then he keeps 
going in there and tearing the wood out. And then it prepares an E. And of course, I said, I'll know where this is going. Then he keeps going. S. And he keeps carrying the cedar, the cedar wood. J-E-S-U-S. And when Jesus is revealed. And it was almost like the letters were eight inches high. And the name of Jesus being revealed, when it's totally revealed, then he takes and looks at the bride and folds the, the veil from her face over her back, lifts up the lid of this cedar chest, and reaches in and pulls out a huge crown the biggest crown I've ever seen with every possible stone that you could think of, the brilliance, the brilliancy of it was past comprehending. The light was so, and every color was in it. Every possible color was there. And he lifted it up, a huge crown, and set it upon the bride's head. When he does this, then the triangle that's seven cubits long, seven cubits wide, seven cubits high in a triangular shape. Then the top opens. And the man with the crowned woman goes into light. So great a light. And I could feel the warmth of it. I went into it with him. And it was the most uh, consoling, serenity, uh, light and warmth that could possibly be felt. The love passed all understanding, and it was just light. And it was so serene, so calm, so peaceful, that I did not want to come out of it. I could not see the man or the woman anymore. All I could, all I could see was the light, a beautiful light. And yet, the light was as if it had every color but perfectly white, but yet knowing that every color's in it. And it was so peaceful and so serene. And I'm thinking, oh, this is it. What a wonderful feeling. What a wonderful love. I did not want to come out. It's there bashing in that for quite a while. Then all of a sudden, when I think I'm, I'm going to stay there, all of a sudden, I don't see the man or the woman anymore. And he takes me down out of that light into the first floor. And I'm looking there at the four men at the table, the two men preparing uh, the sandwich and a drink over there by the kitchen and the four men sitting there playing cards. And as I'm looking at them, then all of a sudden an army of troops break in the door. And as they break in the door with weapons and they start shooting the place up, they shoot the four men at the table, blood's flying everywhere. They shoot the two men over at the kitchen that are preparing the food, and they are they're killed, blood splattering everywhere, and I, it's just gut-wrenching. And I'm looking around, and they, I'm thinking, what else? Well, they've already killed the six men, four at the table, two over at the kitchen. And they look around, looking around for anybody else in there, and there's not. So... The other men that are in there with the ones that have shot them all up said, okay, let's go. They leave out the door. At this time, the blood is everywhere. They're laying dead over the table, the four that were at the table. The other two in the kitchen are laying over dead. And I'm sitting there just looking at them. About that time, the one that was speaking to the general, saying, eat, drink, and be merry. Sit down. Nothing's going to happen. He moves off of the table. And I'm thinking, oh, praise God, maybe there's a resurrection here. And he moves. And then I look at the man over there that was making the sandwiches in the kitchen, the food, pre preparing food. And he moves. And I'm thinking, oh, well, praise God, there's hope. Maybe there's going to be a resurrection here, even though they're dead. Well, there's blood everywhere. The man takes a huge pistol and points it at the man, the man at the table, points it at the man preparing the food in the kitchen and shoots him, shoots him in the head, and he dies. 
Then he takes the gun on himself and shoots himself. As soon as he does, I wake up out of that dream and I'm looking at the Lord. And at this point, he says, I'll uncover the cedar work. I'll see you again. Now, that was October of 89. I was so shook to my very being, my bones, that I started seeking the Lord. I never thought, didn't know what cedar work was, never even come into mind about a cedar or a cedar work, uncovering the cedar work. I knew that there was a cedar chest in that third floor of that perfect triangular building, but it was a cedar chest, and he literally, with his right hand, plucked off the cedar and revealed the name Jesus with his own bare hand, no chisel, no hammer, with his hand, and went in and took the bride into the light. Ground. Well, later on after seeking the Lord, and this was way back in 89, I sought the Lord, say to work, whatever it meant. Now, with that said, I'm going to read you what back then the Lord is putting us in a different realm in the body of Christ, not given to us for any or righteous in any of our holiness, nothing of that sort, but simply to reveal to us, the body of Christ, what he's doing. That there is a work here in the last days. That's a strange, it is a strange work. He's bringing to pass his act, his strange act. And I never will forget the, the, the gut-wrenching terror horror there, knowing that it was God's judgment, knowing that there was a destroying troop there that came into the house and destroyed these six men. But I didn't grasp why the, the soldier, the general, said we must go up. Not maybe, not if you will, or a suggestion, but a command. We must go up. Well, then uh, the cedar work there. We're going to Zephaniah 2. In Zephaniah 2, he says there that the Lord, seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. It may be you shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Now that's Zephaniah 2, verse 3. And he goes on and he talks about, then verse 7, the coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. Now, of coast is where the water breaks out upon the land. It's the waters of truth breaking out upon the body of Christ. It's always a sea coast. It's the mercies of God that, that as, the, the, as the waters break up of the sea upon the land, the mercies of God is forever and ever. And he says, the coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They shall feed thereupon. In the houses of Ashkelon shall they lie down in the evening for the Lord their God shall visit them and turn away their captivity. Now we realize there is a natural Israel. Genesis 12, that God promised Abraham that he would make of Israel, him a great nation, Israel, and all the nations in the earth would be blessed in Israel. That's a promise to the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, etc. At covenant, as long as there's a sun that shines and a moon, will be, will be with national the national Israel, the nation Israel. But in Genesis 15, he talked about a seed of Abraham, which we know that we are the body of Christ as the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. There, there is a natural Israel. There is a spiritual Israel. And he says that, that that remnant of the house of Judah, that coast will be for that time that he turns away their captivity. Verse 8, he said, I heard the reproach of Moab, the revilings of the children of Ammon, whereby they have reproached my people and magnify themselves against their border. Verse 9, Therefore, as I live, 
saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Surely Moab shall be as Sodom and the children of Ammon as Gomorrah, even the breeding of nestles and salt pits and perpetual and a perpetual desolation. The residue of my people, the remnant of God's people, shall spoil them, and the remnant of my people shall possess them. Now we're seeing that that woman in that vision that I had never literally sought God for, we found was crowned in Revelation 12, verse 1. I saw a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with a sun, clothed with a sun, the sun of righteousness, the moon and under her feet upon her head a crown, a crown of 12 stars, a perfect government of God, 12, the number of the perfect government, stars, the prophetic calendar. So we have the fullness of time there. The sun is a lunar calendar. Now looking at the timetable now, the sun is 365 days. That is the sun of righteousness arising with healing in his wings clothed, wings clothed with the sun. The body of Christ will come forth as calves of the stall. And at that time, the wicked will be ashes on the righteous feet. When the sun of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Then when under her feet was the moon, the lunations. Now we have a lunar calendar, which is not according to the solar, but the lunar calendar based upon the lunations. That's under her feet. She's fulfilled it. She's walked in the obedience of that. Upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. The stars is a prophetic calendar. 12 in the perfect government of God, of course, 12 months, but also the sun, moon, stars for signs, seasons, days, and years. We come to the fullness, and at that time, she cries, travailing in pain to be delivered, and brings forth a man-child, that remnant of her seed, this remnant of the residue of the people of God, the remnant of her seed of the church, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. The ones that love God keep his commandments. They have the love for God. They not love God in word and tongue, but in deed and in truth have rendered their bodies a living sacrifice and obedience unto righteousness. Romans 6. There we also see that that remnant of her seed that keeps the commandments of God, they love God, but also have the testimony of Jesus. Now, the testimony of Jesus, we see in Revelation 19.10, most of the commentators are going to tell you that that Revelation 19.10 is an angel. But we're going to see that that's not what John sees. John was about to sit, to bow down and worship the man there in Revelation 19.10. And the man says, see, thou doest it not. Don't do that. I'm of thy fellow brethren and of thy servants and of thy brethren. I'm a fellow servant and of thy brethren. I'm one of you that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. So he's saying he's not God, but he has the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. And he tells him, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Well, to understand the words of the book of this prophecy, the revelation of Jesus Christ, we must have the spirit of prophecy, the Holy Ghost, to lead us and guide us into that truth and obedience. We see in Revelation 12 that it's not Mary bringing forth Jesus, even though it cycles, yes, and some 2,000 years later, we, it's not Israel, the national Israel that goes there with their calendar, not going uh, to the prophetic. And that moon is under her feet. It's not national Israel. We see 
that it's the church. Why? How do we know that? Because it says that this woman brought forth a man child, caught up to God, to his throne, and the old dragon, the serpent, the scorpion, the devil, went about to destroy the woman and the remnant of her seed. The remnant of her seed that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. We, the body of Christ, have the testimony of Jesus as living epistle, adopted sons and daughters of God, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a city set upon a hill that cannot be, cannot be hid. That testimony of Jesus is the faith that was once delivered to the saints. How do we know that? Because in Revelation 14, 12, he says those redeemed, those that are redeemed, keep the commandments of God. Well, we know that. Those that love God keep his commandments. That's a given. And have the faith of Jesus. He didn't say the testimony of the testimony of Jesus, the faith of Jesus. For the testimony of Jesus is the faith of Jesus. That he has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And this is unto perfection to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. A perfect, spotless, blameless church coming unto perfection. That's what John saw. A perfect mirror image of Jesus to the point he thought it was Jesus and was going to bow down and worship him. A vibe a body of Christ that had been conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, walk like him, talk like him, look like him, same character of him, walking the light as he's in the light, being conformed to the very image of Jesus Christ. Those are the ones that are not newborn babies that have been born of uh, uh, the water and the spirit. They're not little children that have grown up from babies to little children that have known the Father, 1 John 2, 12 through 14. They are not just young men that have, the word of God is strong in them and they've overcome the wicked one. They're overcomers. But a higher glory than that. They've grown up in the Jesus in all things, all truth. And they're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. They have the testimony of Jesus. That is the spirit of prophecy to understand the words of the book of this prophecy, which those that read and keep the sayings of the words of this book of this prophecy. So important that if we add to the words of the book of this prophecy, the plagues of this book will be added to us. If we take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, our name will be blotted out of the city and out of the book of life. Very profound complete judgment of God that those that handle that book deceitfully. You're dealing with the heartstrings of God. We can't breach the word here. We're going within the veil. You can't mess up. You've got to hit the mark. We all have to hit the mark here. We can't fail. But we can't fail whenever you're being added to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, 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 brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity, these things that literally prevail in you, that there will be no way to fail of the grace of God. You will not fall. It's a promise in that sealing in Revelation 7 that you will be sealed in your forehead and will not and cannot be deceived because you're sealed. You have reached that point of the measure of the stature of the mind of Christ that we are commanded to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not proper to be equal to God, but made himself of no reputation. Took upon him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, humbled himself to the death, the death of the cross. Wherefore God has highly exalted him, giving him a name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, to the glory of the Father. Just as Jesus said in John 2, destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. And he did that. No man can raise up his own body except he be God. And he's declared to be the son of God, God manifest in the flesh, the father revealed through the spirit by the resurrection from the dead. 
because he rose from the dead by his own spirit. There we see this cedar work. It was very important that the cedar chest was not in the first level. There's three different seasons in God. There's seven different feasts in those three seasons. That first floor is that of the the season of Passover. We have three feasts there. Feast of Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, and Feast of First Fruits. Death, burial, and Resurrection of Jesus. How do we get into it? Repentance. Repent and be baptized, everyone in you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You're born of the water. Then you're raised a new creature. The body, the sins, the flesh being destroyed by baptism. That's Romans 6, 1 through 4, Colossians 2, 10 through 12. That's the reason it's so essential to take on the name of Jesus in water baptism. No one was ever baptized by the Son, Holy Ghost. Acts 2, 38, Acts 8, 16, Acts 10, Acts 19, Acts 22. Paul himself on the Damascus Road was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, not Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Now here's a man that has seen God on the Damascus Road, seen a great light, blinded him. Who art thou, Lord? Speaking to him in a Hebrew tongue, and he says, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks, Saul. Then he has not only seen the Lord, He's had the revelation. Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Yeshua. Jesus, Jehovah's salvation. Revealed the name, believing in the name of the Son of God. The name is the Father revealed. Jehovah is salvation. We believe in that name. We believe in the name of the Son of God. Jehovah's salvation. Jesus. Paul had seen the great light had the revelation of the name, believing in the name of the Son of God, Jesus, Jehovah's salvation, the Father revealed. And he's, he's told what he's going to do. For example, of a long service, he's going to be a, a preacher to the Gentiles. And then he's blinded for three days. And Ananias goes to him and says, I'm sent to you, Brother Saul, for you to receive your sight. And immediately, Saul of Tarsus is healed of his blindness. Now, here's a man that's seen the Lord as a revelation of the name of Jesus. He knows his call, and he's healed of his blindness, and still his sin remains. And Ananias says, Brother Saul, why tarryest thou? Arise and be baptized, washing away your sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. Invoke the name of Jesus. As many as been baptized into Christ and put on, put on Christ. That's your wedding garment. Well, that's the first level. That's the first season. And there the men were. They were in that house. But that house has three levels. There's three different seasons of glory in the church. The first one's Passover, which was a shadow of things to come. Christ, our Passover. Passover sacrifice for us, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We see it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels according. Join the line man, ox and eagle. But then we don't stop there. We go to the next floor. That next season is Shabbat, Pentecost, Feast of Weeks. And you will number seven, 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 Sabbath, and on the morrow, seven times seven is 49, and on the morrow is 50, Pentecost, 50 days after first fruits. And then you receive the Holy Ghost. That, that's the second floor. Second season, you are filled with the Holy Ghost. But then it requires obedience to get to that third floor. Obedience unto righteousness, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Well, going to the third floor, it's seven. Seven cubits broad, seven cubits wide, seven cubits high, and a perfect triangle. And then there's a cedar chest. And the man had literally ripped with his bare hand, his right hand, the cedar off of that chest. 
never say anything like it. You could smell the cedar. And when it revealed the name Jesus, only then when the name was revealed, unveiled, and revealed in the revelation, then he moved the, the veil off of the woman's, picked a crown up, opened the lid, no cherubim of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which now we cannot speak particularly, Paul said, because he was in Pentecost. He was not in tabernacle. The lid was open. That's the mercy seat. And a crown was taken out. And we're not talking about the Decalogue or Aaron's rod that budded or the manna. We're talking about a crown. A crown so great. Nothing in this world can compare to it. It is past comprehension and placed it upon the woman. Well, then I realized the man's Jesus Christ leading you uh, there. The woman is the, is the body of Christ and she will be crowned. And when that happens, they, that whole top roof opened and they went into the light. Basking in that light. I didn't see him anymore. Well, that's that third floor. That's where the cedar that cedar chest was a cedar work. And we see there, as we study this, has in the uh, Solomon's temple, there's three different layers, three different floors, three different levels of glory. And in that, that third level we're going into, it's dedicated now in Tishri, the seventh month. There's the seven. We see that Nebuchadnezzar had seven times passed over. We see the Feast of Sevens. That's tabernacle. We see seven and the perfect, the perfect number of God and the perfection for the saints. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us shall not be made perfect. Well, that better thing is that faith that was once delivered to the saints. That is the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. That uncovering the cedar work as we Go on in Zephaniah 2, and he says, The residue of thy people, that's a remnant of her seed that keeps the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. In verse 10, This shall they have for their pride, because they have reproached and magnified themselves against the people of the Lord of hosts. God sealing his people in their forehead, the servants of God, Revelation 7. That's for national Israel as well as the ones that will believe God because the natural olive branches can be grafted in again. Where, as a Gentile, are the wild olive branches grafted into that, that church, into the body of Christ, and he's the vine where the branches. And he says, watch this, and this is... Uh, Zephaniah 2, verse 11, we're talking about the cedar work. In Solomon's temple, there in the, the 10 by 20, 20 cubits, we find that there's cedar, the forest fir, but the walls of salvation, the walls are cedar. And they have a carved work upon them. There's that carving. The carving is going to re reveal the name Jesus. But it's a carved work of cherubims, open flowers, and palms. Not in Passover, unleavened bread first fruits, not in the first season, not on the second floor of Pentecost, but in the third floor. And in that cedar, in the walls within the holiest of all, anointing the most holy, in that Daniel 9 24, anointing the most holy. At that point, we have a chisel. We have an engraving in the walls of cherubim, which a lime man, ox, and eagle means we come to the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. Open flowers, that's the fruit of the Spirit. That is the fruit harvest, not of the corn harvest of wheat and barley, which we do in Pentecost, but open flowers the fruit harvest, and that is oil and wine. And then open the palm trees, which is uh, the palm trees in tabernacles upon the roof of the house, palm branches, and make 
there a booth or sukkah upon the rooftop. And don't come down to take anything out of your house on that rooftop. Don't come down. Don't go back. Don't reverse. Stay up there. Don't come down to take anything out of your house. Well, at this point, we're, we're talking the cedar work. We're not talking Pentecost. We're not talking uh, the fundamentalists and just uh, before the Lord went to the cross of just repentance of the John the Baptist preaching the doctrine of repentance, saying that she's to look on him that come after him. Then we go into uh, that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the first season. That's the first floor. Then we go to the second floor. The second floor is Shabbat, Pentecost, Feast of Weeks. We take wave, two wave sheaves with leaven and wave them before the Lord. Leviticus 20, 23, Feast of the Lord. Well, that's the second season in the fourth feast. That's where the Pentecost, we receive the Holy Ghost. However, the evidence is speaking in other tongues. Then, but we didn't stop. The, the soldier didn't stop there. The general kept leading the woman to the third floor. And there was where? Inside the, that work was a cedar chest. The walls of cedar in the holiest of all, the most holy place, the holy of holies. And at, that's when Jesus was revealed. Fullness of it. The revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave in him to show unto his servants things, uh, things of faith, which must shortly come to pass. It signified it. The sign, signet, sign, aloftav, the engraving of an engraver, the engraving of a signet, which that is given to Zerubbabel. The ones that were born in Babylon, sons of Sheltiel, sons of prayer, Joshua, all by the name of Jesus, son of Josedek, righteous. The Lord will be terrible unto them, the work of God, for he will famish all the gods of the earth. He will literally destroy all the gods of this earth, all of them. We say under Moses, he destroyed all the gods of Egypt with the judgments of God. In the last days, through the body of Christ in Revelation 11, he will destroy, famish all the gods of this earth, not just in Egypt, but of the whole world. And men shall worship him, not them, not a second person of the Godhead, him. His name will be only one king and his name one, Zechariah 14. It will reveal that Jesus Christ is the almighty God, Revelation 1.8. That he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, in ending, which is, was, and is to come, the almighty. That is Jesus Christ. Not a part of God. He is God. He's not a man that was baptized with the Holy Ghost. He is the Holy Ghost. He is the spirit of God that took on the form of a servant to, to redeem us that were under the law. Then went back to his former glory, glorified with the Father's own self. He said, you Ethiopians also, you shall be slain by my sword. He shall stretch out his hand against the north. Destroy Assyria. Make Nineveh a desolation. Dry like a wilderness. Destroying the northern army. We find that the first vision given to Jeremiah, the prophet to the nations. Jeremiah, what do you see? I see a rod of an almond tree. Almond is Luz which is now Bethel. Bethel, house of God, was first called Luz, almond. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see a rod of an almond tree. It's a rod of the church. God said, I will hasten my word to perform it. This is a rod of the stem of Jesse. It speaks of God manifest in the body of flesh. Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. That is, that he is the father of glory revealed in the body of Christ. For well, there's one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, who's above all, father of us all and in us all. Who's the father? Christ is the father. Christ is the son. Christ is the word. Christ is the Holy Ghost. Christ is every office. Christ is God. Christ is the man in the days of his flesh that went back to his former glory as God, not a second person of the Godhead. So this work of the ministry will reveal the true and living God, Jesus Christ, and not another not a part of the Godhead. 
but he is the father of glory, and it will reveal that, the blessed and only potentate, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God, who only hath the immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. Well, he says there, He's going to destroy all that other note. What's the second vision Jeremiah sees? It says, I see a seething pot, a boiling pot. The face there is toward the north. The north, yes, for out of the north, a great evil shall befall all the inhabitants of the land. A great tribulation shall befall all the inhabitants of the land. All nations will know what this is. It's a seething pot, a boiling pot. And that's the north. Well, God says, I am stretching out my hand against the north. I'm going to destroy all those that came against my people. And I'm going to destroy Assyria. Oh, Assyria, the rod of mine anger. The staff in their hand is my indignation. And I will make Nineveh a desolation and dry like a wilderness. Watch the next verse, 14. Zephaniah, God is secreted. This is the secret things of God. His very name, Zephaniah, God has secreted. We see that secret revealed to Daniel in Daniel, the second chapter. This secret is not revealed to me for any of me above any of uh, man in the earth, he said. But that the God of heaven will make known unto you, O king, what, what will happen. And, the, the, and gave the king Nebuchadnezzar not only the interpretation, but the dream that he had that had left him that he had forgotten, could not recall it. He said, and flux shall lie down in the midst of her, all the beasts of, of the nations, both the comrade and the bittern, shall lodge in the upper lintels of it. Their voice shall sing in the windows. We know that the eye, that ain't, is a window to the soul. Desolation shall be in the thresholds. Oh, the threshold, the corn of my threshing. Watch the next there of the following verse, the last sentence, for he shall uncover the cedar work. Now, many think they have the cedar work in that holy symbol, and they built it themselves. But God's going to uncover it. Let's see what it's made of. Your very ideology, the very faith that you have, your works that you have either done unto self or your own self-gratification or works of obedience unto righteousness. Romans 6. Let's take a look at that cedar word. Now, there's many other uh, scriptures that will go along, but this We'll get the point over to the body of Christ for where we all are now for the glory of God to be revealed in and through the body of Christ in these last days. Jeremiah 22 and verse 13. And it says, quoting verse 13, Jeremiah 22, verse 13. Woe unto him that buildeth his house by unrighteousness. Now, they had pleasure in unrighteousness. 2 Thessalonians 2. For this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they all might be damned who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Notice what he says here. One to them that buildeth his house. How are you building your house? Neighbor, we got to build our house upon the rock, the true Christ. We got to dig deep, find that rock, build our house on it. That's due obedience. We have to build it through sanctification of uh, being led of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. Sanctify them through that truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify yourself holy, both spirit, soul, and body. God expects us to do that in obedience to the Holy Ghost and his leading, doing the will of God. They build their house by unrighteousness, woe into them, and his chambers by wrong, a deceitful, thinking it's right, but a mistaken identity that uses his neighbor's service without wages and giveth him not for his work. The love of money. Watch it here. 
that saith, I will build me a wide house and large chambers. Now, we're to enter into our chambers and hide ourselves a little while until the indignation be overpassed, and God says, my anger ends in their destruction. But what's, what kind of chambers did they have? And cutteth him out a window. They cutteth out windows. What they think is the true word of God in the light of the word, the windows lighting is where the light enters into the house. They cutteth themselves out. They cut out windows they think is, is pure and, and right. And it is sealed with cedar. Notice they seal it with cedar and painted it with vermilion, thinking it's the blood of Jesus. Watch what God says. Shall, shall you reign? Because you close yourself, you clothe yourself in cedar? You claim to have that work of the ministry? You claim to have the true Christ. You mentioned his name. And he says, did not your father eat and drink and do judgment and justice? And then it was well with him. The ones that obeyed God, it was well with them. He judged the cause of the poor and the needy. Then it was well with him. Was not this to know me, saith the Lord, to know God. If you know God, you will work and walk in his commandments. The works you do will accompany your faith. But thine eyes and thine heart are not but for thy covetousness. Oh, you want money. You're hired harlings. You use great swelling words of man's wisdom to go into the houses of city, silly women and leave them laden with their sins. Captive silly women laden with their sins. Supposed to be the church, but not gathering to the Lord, not in the knowledge of him. And you shed innocent blood. You come against the people of God that are innocent, and you shed their blood. You destroy them with, maybe not with a gun, but spiritually destroy them. And for oppression and for violence to do it. Therefore, here's what God says. He's going to uncover that seed of work. He's going to uncover the house that you have built and I have built. It better be in obedience to righteousness and not having pleasure in that unrighteousness because otherwise it has a dire consequence of damnation. Now, I know that's a hard word, but it's the truth. And many would be many with gnashing of teeth. They will gnaw their tongues for pain. And because they thought they had it, they thought they were right, that God's love and that any way would do, and you could have the world and God, you could have money and have a love of money and God too. You could have the love of the world and the love of God. Can't do it. For all that's of the world, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh, and the world passes away with the lust thereof. But whosoever doeth the will of God shall abide forever. He says, therefore, thus saith the Lord God concerning Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. They shall not lament for him, saying, oh, my brother, or oh, sister. They shall not lament for him, saying, oh, Lord, or ah, his glory. He shall be buried with a brutal, the burial. <laughs> he shall be buried with the burial of an ass, a donkey, drawn and cast forth beyond the gates of Jerusalem. Go up to Lebanon and cry and lift up the voice in Bashan. That's soft, fertile, that's your heart. Soft, fertile soil. How you plant that seed of the word of God there. Lift up your voice in Bashan and cry from the passages. For all thy lovers are destroyed, what you really loved. I spake unto you in thy prosperity. But you said, I will not hear. 
this has been the manner from your youth that you obey not my voice. You've got to hear the word. You've got to obey the word, the leading of that. And he goes on, and what it boils down to, he nails it in for the sake of time. You could go for hours of this the work of God, the work of the ministry, what the Lord will do and uncover the seed work of the last days, what is literally in your heart and the walls of your heart, your cedar. He's going to uncover the cedar work. And those that have built it in unrighteousness will fail and have dire consequences. God said that he would be down because he had uh, pleasure in unrighteousness, had pleasure in it. And they followed this strong delusion. And many will be deceived through the signs, miracles, and lying wonders that they have to do that God allows. It's God himself sending the strong delusion. In chapter 23, and of course, I'm closing now. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Woe be to the pastors. They're the leaders, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people, you have scattered my flock. You didn't gather them into one and to the truth. You've driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, uh, saith the Lord. Well, what about the real true church, the remnant of her seed, the one that keeps the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus? I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries whether I have driven them from the north, south, east, and west. No more will they say, blessed be the Lord God that brought up his people out of the land of Egypt. That won't even come into mind for the great work that he'll do in the last days. For they say, yea, rather, blessed be the Lord God that has brought up his people out of the land of the north, south, east, and west, whithersoever he had driven them. For after he scattered the power of the holy people, the church of the living God, then all these things will be finished. His name whereby we will all be called is the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Tendishkinu that is the seed that have come to the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ unto perfection. If this is sounded a chord in you more witness, Holy Ghost bearing witness in your spirit that this is the truth, we would like to meet you. Here again many of you uh, are downloading uh, uh, the podcast. Uh, you know, it may be a, a stout word, but it's still the word of God. And it's going to get heavier uh, when we talk about the judgments of God that will prevail in the earth. All God's ways are judgment, not to destroy the mankind, but to get our attention to come and come back to the real Jesus, the real Lord God. Come to us, return to the Lord. For he hath torn, he will heal us. He hath smitten, he will bind us up. After the second day, he will revive us. In the third day, we're in the third day now. He will raise us up, and we will live in his sight. It's time of the latter rain. Ask you if you rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make bright clouds, send forth showers, everyone grass in the field. It's up to us. We would love to hear from you, become one with you. Join one in the unity of the faith and two. Uh, that knowledge of the Son of God coming into the unity of the faith to the edifying of itself in love. To do that, the bones have to come together and unite. As we unite in the Lord Jesus Christ, then that makes a joint. The bone to a bone makes a joint of whichever joint supplies to the edifying of itself in love. That's what the Lord's doing now. Bringing His body together, not denomination, but his true body, the real body of Christ, the church of the living God, which is bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. Jesus Christ is come of the flesh, the Father, the Lord Jesus, the God himself, the Spirit of God, the Lord, who is that Spirit, Jesus, is come in the flesh, still coming in the flesh. 1 John 4, verse 1 through 4. If this has struck a, a chord that is true, please give us a call. We'd like to meet you. Take hands with you and work together in the unity of the faith. That is uh, my country code, one plus, area code 903-746-4885. Or you can drop me a line, drop me a letter, Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. 
or you can visit our websites. Drop us a message there. Dealinggodspeople.org or <laughs> dealinggodspeople.com or dennisbeard.org. Well, we thank you for your prayerful support, your generous offerings whereby we keep the podcast coming to you over these social media sites. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold, the real Jesus.